episode 114 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on October 28th, 2021. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. I've been playing MMOs for 18 years now, and if I've learned anything over the course of that time, it's that players don't like it when you mess with their classes. We'll take a look at what's going on with combat styles. In 7.0, our legendary characters will be able to obtain legendary gear details ahead. As you know, Star Wars The Old Republic turns 10, and as the sayings go, she may not look like much, but this baby's got a few surprises left in her. I'll talk about some huge quality of life changes coming in Legacy of the Sith. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed. And cue the moron. Welcome to episode 114 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. I'm back again. I have no upcoming travel plans, so let's see what I can do about getting you some more episodes as we march towards the release of Legacy of the Sith and the 10th anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic. Now, there are moments in the life of an MMO where the developers step up to the plate and swing for the fences. When they connect, fans rejoice and life is good. But sometimes they miss with that mighty swing of the bat and all hopes are dashed. If you've spent any amount of time trying out combat styles on the PTS, then you know that when it comes to the big feature for Legacy of the Sith, there's no joy in Mudville right now. When combat styles were announced, there was a lot of excitement, and for good reason. The system is based on a simple concept. What if players could model their characters after any of the iconic characters from the Star Wars universe? A bounty hunter who uses a rifle like Boba Fett, a soldier who dual wields pistols like Captain Rex, a Jedi Knight who shoots lightning like, um, well, because it's cool. With the current system, this just is impossible. With classes tied to advanced classes, we're limited to having a bounty hunter like Jango Fett, but not Boba. Combat styles expand our options by separating the story from the gameplay. And so in Legacy of the Sith, according to Bioware, classes will become origin stories embodying your character's voice, background, and where their story begins in the Old Republic. Advanced classes will become combat styles, which determines how your character fights from level one and beyond. So how exactly will this work? Bounty hunters, Imperial agents, Republic troopers, and smugglers, classes that use guns, will only have access to the tech combat styles. Jedi Knights, Jedi Consulars, Sith Warriors, and Sith Inquisitors, classes that use lightsabers, will have access to the Force combat styles. And by the way, you may have heard that for Force classes there is a dark light requirement to access your mirror's combat styles. This is absolutely true, but here's the thing. It's based on a legacy achievement of reaching Dark 5 or Light 5. 
If you're a veteran player, chances are you unlock this a long time ago and will be able to have your Jedi shooting lightning on day one. Now, if you are hoping that you could would be able to access all the combat styles using only two characters, I've got bad news for you. Each character is limited to two combat styles and those choices are permanent. So in the same way that choosing an advanced class is permanent today, so will choosing a combat style. Only your character can now have two. You'll make your first combat style choice when you create your character and the second choice will unlock when you complete Act 3 of your origin story. And I believe that is also legacy based. If you've completed Act 3 of the Jedi Knight origin story, then the next time you create a Jedi Knight, both combat style options will be available at level 1. Now, while combat styles are permanent, choices within those combat styles are not. Utility points are gone. Those are now baked into the combat styles. What you will be choosing are your disciplines and the active and passive abilities within those disciplines. For those choices, there is, for lack of a better term, a skill tree where you will make these choices, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. To help manage all of this, BioWare is introducing a loadout system. These loadouts will allow you to configure your keybinds, gear, ability bars, and outfits, allowing you to switch between combat styles as well as within a combat style with just the push of a button. It's not clear yet how many loadouts you can have. I've heard the number four to five tossed around, but that's not confirmed. Now, loadouts will likely work like disciplines do today, meaning the rules that apply to changing disciplines will be the same for loadouts as well. All in all, this sounds pretty good, right? Jedi Knights that can shoot lightning? Yes, please. A trooper dual wielding pistols? Why not? Well, it's like they say. There's theory, and then there's the PTS. First came changes to the Jedi Guardian and Sentinel, then came changes to operatives and snipers, and now sorcerers, assassins, and bounty hunters as well. And as we got our hands on these combat styles, we quickly realized the changes went way beyond Jedi's shooting lightning out of their arse. Sure, my trooper looks like Captain Rex, but he fights like the mindless stormtroopers the Empire recruited to replace him. This was a wholesale pruning of abilities, which if they had just removed the dead flora would have been fine, but that's not what happened. What we saw was the outright removal of critical abilities, and those that remained were presented to us as choices that were seemingly impossible to make. Our Jedi, Sith, and gunslingers have been turned into perverse Build-A-Bears where we have to choose between giving them arms or legs, but not both. So what exactly are people so mad about? SOTOR community manager Jackie Coe, who's awesome by the way, summed up the Guardian feedback like this. Here are common sentiments that we are seeing. Concerns regarding the availability of defensive abilities. PTS Guardian could be effective in story content, but not endgame content. Saber Throw and Saber Reflect should not be a choice. This class is about survivability. The PTS Jedi Guardian does not feel like this. Choices being offered as of now don't feel balanced. To understand what all the current fuss is about, we need to look at what Bioware is trying to accomplish, which according to them is this. In the Jedi Knight's current state, there is quite a bit to learn and memorize. You need to understand active abilities, passive modifiers, selectable utilities, and how they all work together. Our goal is to make these relationships clearer and easier to understand, while also ensuring that the class retains its identity. 
To achieve these goals, we are identifying key aspects of the Jedi Guardian and understanding how players both perceive and utilize the class's abilities. Our focus is to equip the player with knowledge and understanding of these abilities so they can make impactful choices when it comes to ability upgrades and customizations. To make the class feel less encumbered and customization more concise, we are working to reduce the quantity of abilities, but ensuring that the class remains distinct and unique. Basically, what they're saying is the class has too many abilities, both passive and active, and they have great synergy that has become challenging for some folks to grasp, never mind master, and thus we're getting rid of a lot of stuff. While the statement from Bioware was specific to the Jedi Guardian, it's a philosophy that applies to all of the classes. And while that's good in theory, the reality thus far is that Bioware is getting rid of too many abilities that players feel are necessary to handle the game's content. And the fear is that when Legacy of the Sith goes live, existing operations will be impossible to clear, or the encounters will be dumbed down to such a degree that they will no longer be compelling. The game will either be too hard or too easy, and never the twain shall meet. And then there are also concerns around class balance. Some combat styles feel more gutted than others. Now back in August, Chris Schmidt, who worked on the combat styles, did an interview with Max and Seema on the Escape podcast. And towards the end of the interview, he said this, We've only been able to share some of the things that we're doing so far. What I'm super excited about is how all the pieces fit together. Like I said, we're not quite ready to talk about the itemization changes at level 80, or how we're even structuring the content, or how you experience the content, or choose how to do content each week. I think all of that kind of complements what we're trying to do with combat styles. And therein lies the problem. We don't have the full picture, and Bioware is only giving things out in pieces. As players, we don't know how it's all meant to fit together, and more importantly, we don't trust that it will all fit together. We can't look at these changes through the lens of how they exist in the game today, but we don't have any other choice. We're trying to solve this puzzle without all the pieces and with no picture on the box to guide us. We haven't seen the new gear, tacticals, or set bonuses. The new operation has not been released for any kind of testing, and it feels like we're testing game update 6.5 and not 7.0 and it's not a good mix. Players have provided mountains of feedback, and yet there hasn't been any indication that changes are forthcoming. Rather than induce over-the-top excitement, combat styles have triggered the five stages of grief, and players feel as if Bioware is just waiting for us to reach the acceptance phase so they can roll this thing out. Hopefully I'm wrong, and there is a lot I'm excited about, but if the combat doesn't work, then none of this will matter. Bioware is trying to allay our fears by saying, away put your weapons, you will not need them. But I don't know about you, I'm strapping on that holster as I head into the dark cave known as the PTS, and will still be wearing them when Legacy of the Sith launches, holiday 2021. One of the missing puzzle pieces I alluded to in the last segment was set bonuses. 
Well, now we know how they will work in Legacy of the Sith. In 7.0, Bioware is introducing legendary items in the form of earpieces and implants. These legendary items will grant a bonus effect similar to our current set bonuses. In other words, you will be able to get a full six piece set bonus on a single item. So how will these legendary items work? According to Bioware, players will be able to equip two legendary items at a time. Each piece of legendary gear will have a unique effect that will enhance and improve various play styles and affect your stats in the same manner that gear does today. Implants will have a greater focus on utility improvements, while earpieces will be more skewed towards improving combat style power and effectiveness. No more needing to stack multiple pieces of gear in order to get a set's bonuses effect, since it will be rolled into a single legendary item. These items will be attained at a lower item rating, non-max level, and can be upgraded to higher levels. Essentially, you can increase a legendary item's rating over time, as they do not need to be replaced like current gear does. We want players to be able to experience a variety of legendary items, so they won't be inherently difficult to obtain. While you may get them at a lower item rating than some of your other gear, you will have the ability to increase a legendary item's rating directly. So in 7.0, our set bonuses, for lack of a better term, will be easier to obtain. The grind won't be getting the gear, but rather upgrading the items to max level. And we'll be able to have two. So all in all, this sounds like a promising change. Now, if you're wondering what will happen to the current set bonuses in 7.0, here's what Bioware said about that. Set bonuses as they stand today will be gradually phased out. If you are a returning player, you will find that your current set bonuses will be deactivated upon reaching level 76. Note the stats on those pieces of gear will still be applied to your character, only the set bonuses will cease functioning at that time. Rather than having to collect up to six pieces of armor for a legendary affix, you can focus on obtaining one or two. Being freed from the restriction of set bonuses will also allow you the freedom to mix and match armor to your heart's content, allowing you to customize your characters more than ever before and without losing the effects and abilities you were accustomed to having previously. So no big surprise to learn that the 6-0 set bonuses won't work in 7-0 once you start leveling. What isn't clear is what will happen to the Victorious Pioneer's armor set that grants a 25% XP bonus. Hopefully the answer is nothing and it will continue to work as it does now right up to level 80. Oh, and if anyone from Bioware is listening, feel free to make the Victorious Pioneer's armor set legendary by adding it to our collections and making it available to all of our characters. While the jury is still out on combat styles, there are some exciting quality of life features coming in Legacy of the Sith, and let's start from the top and talk about weapons in the outfit designer. According to Bioware, beginning in 7.0, you'll now be able to use weapons in a similar way to armor in our existing outfitter system. 
This means you can have one weapon equipped, which will determine the stats applied to your character, and stamp the appearance of another weapon of the same type via Outfitter. Weapons have several properties that are unique to them as compared to armor. They can have unique audio, color crystals, and weapon tunings. The weapon assigned to the Outfitter slot or slots for dual wielding combat styles will determine which of these customization options are seen and heard in the game. The game is not assigned to an Outfitter slot. The game will use the options from the currently equipped weapon instead. There you have it. I'm pretty sure if the only patch note for Legacy of the Sith was you can now use weapons in the Outfitter, this would be a top three expansion for a lot of people. This is big. This is something that's been talked about for a few years now, going back to Knights of the Fallen Empire or Eternal Throne, one of those two. To finally see this happen is amazing. And with this change, we now have a clear separation between your character's stats and how they look, almost to the point where moddable gear is kind of awkward. Other than min-maxing your numbers, which I'm not downplaying, and maybe making it easier to keep a character geared while leveling, especially if you're using the XP suit from Dark vs. Light, there's not much of a point to having moddable gear. Another incredible and long overdue change coming to the Old Republic? Shared tagging. According to Bioware, when we refer to tagging, we're talking about who gets credit for defeating an NPC mission credit, and ability to loot primarily. Currently, the default tagging behavior is tied to whether or not the player is in a group or not. So if you are grouped with other players and someone in that group does damage to an NPC, credit is shared for the entire group. For 7.0, we are changing this default behavior to be tied to the faction instead. So if a player is attacking an NPC, and another player of the same faction helps kill the NPC, whether grouped up or not, both players will share mission credit and loot on that NPC. In some cases, we will allow credit to be shared with any player, regardless of faction. The first content that will take advantage of this open tagging will be world bosses. This should minimize griefing opportunities and really encourage players to help each other out in order to defeat these bosses. As an added bonus, we've also updated the rules for tagging to include healers. In addition to, in addition to dealing damage to an NPC in order to tag it for credit, healing another player who has damaged that NPC will also grant credit. Uh, this is pretty awesome, especially the world boss change. World of Warcraft has had this feature for a while now, and I haven't seen any real negatives with it. I'll be curious to see if the bosses and NPCs scale up in difficulty the more people that are attacking it, but I'm not sure that that will be the case. No more sorry group is full. Just show up now in pew pew pew. I would have loved this for that one heroic in the Dark Temple on and Kass. You all know the one I mean. Now another change that's happening is the way daily and weekly missions are reset. Again, according to Bioware, Currently, uncompleted daily and weekly missions sit in that character's logs until the mission is completed. Once the mission is completed, that character can no longer pick up the weekly again for that week or the daily for that day. In 7.0, uncompleted daily and weekly missions will be removed from players once the daily or weekly reset time passes. This is currently Tuesday, 12 a.m. UTC. 
The primary reason for this change is that we are restructuring the way we present content each week. Weekly missions will rotate in availability each week in 7.0, and we want to ensure that all players are on the same weekly missions each week in order to keep those mission areas feeling dynamic and filled with other people to group or share mission credit with. This should result in content like heroic missions being completed more quickly and efficiently. You can still access missions that aren't part of the rotation if you choose, they will just have reduced rewards. Alongside this change, we will also introduce a number of quality of life improvements, including auto-completing missions where we are able to when characters are on the turn-in step. I think this is fine. Sounds like we'll have more targeted weekly and daily missions and will be funneled into a lot of the same areas, which could make the game feel more alive and with shared tagging, running through a place like Oricon or Iocath might be a better experience than what it is today. Now, not everything is going to make you jump for joy, and Bioware did announce a couple of changes that might be a tad unpopular. I'd say one is for sure. First up are changes to the economy, and according to Bioware, we have been studying and measuring economic indicators around the game's economy, specifically in regards to credit inflation. What this means is that more credits are being created in the economy than are being spent, which drives the GTN prices upwards over time on all items. One of the steps we're taking to address this is the reduction of credits awarded by completing conquests. We're also planning on removing solid resource matrix items from conquests rewards and instead putting them on Java vendors available for purchase with Java junk. This will help address credit creation issues in the economy. We will be sharing more details on these changes in a follow-up post in the near future. When it comes to MMO economies, I am the wrong person to talk about it. While I'm definitely aware of the increase in prices for stuff, my bank account hasn't exactly ballooned up that much this expansion, which means I'm probably doing something wrong. As far as Conquest being the culprit, I have no idea. I'm very curious to read that next post. And now the final change, and the one I'm sure won't be popular, is a change to how Vanish abilities work. According to Bioware, currently Vanish allows players to circumvent intended game mechanics, especially ones that require a target. It also allows for players to revive out of combat and change their abilities and disciplines in the middle of an encounter. Vanish abilities are being slightly redesigned to remove unintended use, specifically dropping from combat and reviving in specified situations. For all flashpoints and operations, Vanish abilities will instantly drop all threat and allow players to enter stealth at max level. However, players will no longer exit combat. This restriction does not apply to the open world PvE, PvP, or war zones. We understand the benefit of resurrecting more frequently in group content, so we are removing the operation-wide lockout timer from combat resing. As a balance measure, we've made it so only healing disciplines have access to combat revives. We'll be monitoring this and we'll adjust the cooldown as needed. There's a cliche that goes, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And this is probably the right change to make. But on some level, if something has been in the game as long as this, it's a hard sell to say that it was never intended. It'd be one thing if there was a design change to operations and flashpoints that now made this overpowering, 
but I don't think that's what's going on here. If players are upset and asking why now and why not nine years ago or five years ago, I don't really blame them. Like anything with this game, you have to take the good with the bad and weapons in the outfitter, yeah, that's really good. Final note before I let you go, good news if you're a Raider and use Star Parse. There was an interesting tweet from the folks who make Star Parse and they wrote, so apparently the SWOTOR devs got inspired by WoW and the combat logging is getting a significant revamp with group logging available as well. This would be great seven years ago, but I guess better late than later. We'll try to patch SP so it's compatible and uses the new stuff. So there you go. It sounds like uh, combat logging is going to be a little bit more interesting and give you a little bit more information to see how your group is doing in 7.0. And that's the state of the Old Republic for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 114 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted. And I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout, probably a bunch of other places as well. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is sotorpodcast.com. Got an RSS feed, and you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. And I am definitely going to try and do a show each week now until we get up to the launch of Legacy of the Sith and the 10th anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic. Until next time, remember the Sith Code. Cake is a lot.